You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to the after laugh. It is a Friday afternoon. And I have my uh, acquaintance. We're not real friends. I don't know you that well, but we are social media friends, which is almost the same thing. Kristen Montero. Christian Mon- Kristen Montero. Why did I say yeah. Christian? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. God's on my head <laughs> because it's Rosh Hashanah. Um, Kristen Montero and uh, we became Instagram friends. And you're one of those people on Instagram who, every time I see a picture of you, you're in a different country. You're doing a different meeting, a different conference. And I thought that you were someone who looks like you're up to big things, particularly now during COVID and during quarantine, where a lot of people are just sort of lost and without a rudder. I mean, particularly in the entertainment business in LA. Yeah. I don't know if you know what's happening out here, but number one, a lot of people are moving. Yep. Or they're talking about moving, or they're just complaining about everything else. And it feels very morally, spiritually, politically rudderless. Everything just sort of feels like a mess. So. You seem like someone who's got an answer. At least you're moving towards an answer. So I just kind of want to get to know you a little bit and sort of see what you're working towards as a female entrepreneur. Like, what is uh, what is your business in general? How would you define it? Yeah, thanks, Bill. Thanks for uh, having me on here. Of course. Um, Good to see you again. It's, you know, I've been up to quite a bit of things. Um, I have a startup that's a technology company, Blue Social. Um, we focus on enhancing in-person human interaction, which you could imagine um, could it, could be difficult right now with what's happening with the physical distancing, right? And what we've done is developed a technology that helps to network in proximity so it's almost this contactless networking that's built into an app that we developed that has the software that allows for this proximity connecting without having to physically go up to somebody per se um, at the same time so as a dumb person which i am Mm -hmm. so (laughs) explain it to me like a fifth grader so first of all it's already a contradiction in terms seemingly that you have a social media app about in-person interaction right yeah so my first thought is, of course, sounds like a, a variation of a dating app, right? Something like Grinder, where they'll be like, hey, there's a gay person 12 feet away from you. And you're like, oh, hey, guy. Um, and I've always said this as a joke, like every app is a dating app if you got game. But for your app, Blue Social, it, you, it's a networking app, you said, for the purpose of people interested in businesses and creating businesses um yeah so it's essentially for those people and what we like to say ia for everybody everywhere anywhere anytime and that's because everybody everywhere everywhere anywhere anytime e-e-a-a okay yeah Yeah. and you know everybody right now the when when we connect we share our social medias yes we have a lot of social media platforms that we all use but when we connect Sometimes we'll share one handle, but we're never going to take the time to share three, four, or five different handles, which is why you've seen, you know, things like Linktree grow so well um, and people using them into their social What is Linktree? Media. I've never heard of Linktree. So Linktree is, um, I believe, their web software. They are free and they allow you to have a certain amount of links on a page. So say you want to, in your bio, take somebody to multiple places 
you can use Linktree to do that. And we've stepped it up a bit where on our platform, we allow you to share all your social media accounts at the same time. If you have a SoundCloud and you're a music artist, it's easier to share all the things that you want to connect them to, whether you have a website, your playlist, uh, maybe you have a YouTube channel. And that's the part where Blue Social comes in. And we came out with smart products like a smart business card where instead of giving away a business card, now all you have to do is tap it. And then it's very similar to other smart products. So it saves in your phone like a, like a photo? Um, so when you tap it, it saves directly. It, it pulls up someone's profile and it has all of their social networks, all of their digital presence that they chose to share with you. And it works directly with the phone without the app. And so yeah, I was gonna say. So if you don't if you don't have the app, you can still you can still boom. use the smart product. Now, when it comes to the Blue Social app itself, typically users of our smart products use that to control the information they want to share at any given point with anybody on their smart device that they have. That's a Blue Smart device. Okay. So you're easily being able to share all of your social networks and your digital presence and your brand that you have online in multiple places, which is what we have today. Um, and the smart products are something that allow you, whether you're networking or you're just out socializing, or maybe you are looking to date, um, you can easily share your social platforms with our blue smart products. Okay, so let me ask you this. So it sounds pretty deep cuts in terms mm -hmm. of the people who would be on this or the people who are using this. It sounds like people who are have fingers in a lot of different pies, a lot, a lot of different interests. Because if you have a link tree and you have five ta handles, you're doing a lot of different shit, right? Mm -hmm. Like I basically do Instagram. I try to blow up on Twitter, but I'm not woke enough. I'm not, I don't really fall in line with a lot of, even, every once in a while I'll post something like moderate politically and people are like shut up or like at zero likes so Twitter's sort of lost to me I'm not going to share that with anyone but Instagram is sort of my way in to share with anyone like hey this is easy you can DM me um, so if you're someone in the Midwest and you have like a 9 to 5 job what would be the point of Blue Social? Like, is, is, it, is it designed just for people like you who are travelers, entrepreneurs, who really want to share every aspect of their business? Or is it just for anybody? Um, it's for anybody. So somebody who has a nine to five, we all go and meet new people and make new friends all the time. Yeah. And we're always choosing to stay connected on the social platforms. So you can use it in that manner as well. But then there's also in the app, once you join the blue community and the blue network, there's our technology, which is kind of a little hidden treasure. So in the app itself, there's the networking mode feature, which is separate. Yeah. And the networking mode feature, that will allow you to introduce yourself to the community around you. Right now, there's not events going on you may want to socialize yeah hey may, maybe you're looking to socialize because you're trying to find a new date maybe you're looking to socialize because you just want to find some people that have commonalities yeah. with you um, there's multiple use case scenarios where somebody would want to go into what we call the networking mode feature in the app yeah. to really facilitate this contactless networking mm -hmm. now for, to get involved by the way I'm turning on this there's a I have a, an outdoor bug, uh, <laughs> ultrasonic bug pusher aware. Wow. Because we have a couple flies. I was like, maybe this will help get rid of those flies. Um, it's we'll pretty see. high tech. Or it's going to give us cancer. <laughs> so I guess, now let's go back to the beginning. So this is, I've always been really fascinated with startups. 
um, and how people get involved with startups. I've n- I never have. Um, I'm, I always really respect and admi- admire people to do it because I guess a podcast is a startup in a way, but it's a very low risk startup. This is your job. This is your every seven days a week, nine to five job. Now, how did you get involved with Blue Social? Is it your baby or did someone bring you on board? Um, so it's technically my baby. So it started with my brother. He had an idea um, of Blue Social and what it did. And then I... And how did that... So before that, so... Yep. What... As an inquit idea, what is the... What does set so Blue Social apart from all these other apps that are, quote unquote, about connecting people that obviously really desk disc i know i'm sorry about that fly i don't i'll tell you but this ultrasonic thing i hope it's going i think it's going to kick in believe me and about by the time you leave it'll, it'll start working um yeah maybe i'll spray something i'll light a candle anyway so um because you can have the idea that in social media everything's kind of there you have linkedin which is this business app you have photos for butt shots and beach shots and bikini shots and yeah. look how hot i am and just photography in general or look yeah. at my art then you have twitter for look how funny i am look how political i am um and facebook for look at my baby or here's a picture of my dying mom it's sort of the bases are kind of covered so blue social coming along as a startup it's, it seems like a very crowded field um a very difficult field to break into what was the thing that your brother said like how did it come across to you in a way like oh, this this is what's different this is what set it apart Yeah, the difference is is that we don't have messaging. We don't have all the ways to connect, um, to stay conversationally online. Our whole goal of our technology is we develop the software side where we're really encouraging in-person human interaction again and allowing for the passive connection, staying connected on the platforms today. Okay, so how, how do you do that? How do you encourage an in-person connection? So that's our networking mode. So that's where when you turn on your networking mode, the app will actually introduce you to the users that are in proximity using Bluetooth technology up to 150 feet. So it's not geolocation. You're seeing users that are nearby you that are also looking to be social and you can tap to socialize and you're also sharing commonalities in your bio. And when you're in that mode, you're looking to just make new friends. So 150 feet for that type of technology to work, it seems like you'd have to have a really large amount of people mm-hmm. on Blue Social. So if you're someone who's starting a company like this, how do you get people enrolled in it? I mean, that seems like the most um, difficult part. So we have about 50,000 users in around the world. Um, we're a global company. So we, what we did was, you know, at first we did deal with the issue of, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, how can people see the value of that networking mode if not a lot of people are on it in the beginning? Um, that's when last year, 2019, we pivoted a little bit and we came out with a smart product that had our technology behind it to allow people to understand first how Bluetooth can be used. Mm. Okay. So give me an example of that. Like just just sort of break it down every day. How would you do that? So, because I'm still kind of lost in how you go from, you have this idea, you have this company, cool idea, you want to encourage in-person communication, now build a network well you have the products right mm-hmm. but the products so the products are used to encourage people to download the app is that the idea 
Uh, yes. And the reason why we have a lot of people, you know, everything comes back to branding, right? Yeah. Um, with Blue Social, we're not necessarily a social network. We're the world's first ambient social network. What do you call it? Ambient. Ambient social network. Ambient social network. So what does that mean exactly? That means that we help you socialize with the people that are physically around you in an ambient space. So within your vicinity or within your are proximity you, does, of you. Is, is 150 feet just sort of what the current technology allows? Are you looking for a bigger We a say bigger up radius? to 150 feet because really it depends on the device, the mobile device itself. So each phone has a different version of Bluetooth yeah. and there's some Bluetooth low energy um, softwares in mobile phones right now where it goes up to 500. Yeah. But that's not for everybody. So to keep it safe, um, at least for standard for everybody right now, it's up to 150 feet across the board. But technically, there are some users that can introduce all the way up to 500 or 400 feet, depending on their Bluetooth version that they have inside their phone. Got it. And your way... So you always have to start with kind of like a beta city, right? Yeah. So what we did was we developed the software. And at the same time, we started by um, letting family and friends know about the product. When we first started, you know, as a software company, our biggest thing is developing the software and the funding for it, um, raising the funds. So we raised over $250,000 from family and friends the first time around. How did you do that? Was it Indiegogo or GoFundMe or just sort of? Nope. We just reached out to our network, pitched it. We had a whole um, event happened at UCR where we invited you know a lot of our family and friends did a whole presentation and then they had the opportunity to try out the current beta software that we had and then they all got an opportunity to invest yeah and the $250,000 is used for what uh, development so development. at that at that stage it was purely for development yeah all right so your your first city was Riverside Riverside or LA, LA County. What was the city that you first said, let's try this out? Because you probably have people, I'll tell you why I'm interested in this partly too, because I just started this app called Stereo, mm -hmm. and it is sort of one of my part-time jobs where, I don't know if you've heard of this app. No. It is, do you remember something called Chat Roulette back in the day? You're young, you're young. You're younger than me, so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but Chat Roulette was this game, and I must. it must have been like, oh God, 10 years ago now or something but basically maybe not that long ago but you would just randomly match with people from anywhere in the world right and like there's someone about Swan hey man how are you and you see each other on your phone or on your computer it was mostly like laptops at the time mm -hmm. or desktops hey how are you I'm in Botswana oh and you'd have a, so the idea was we are the general idea of technology, and I don't know if you saw this thing, The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Everyone's talking about it. I haven't you seen it yet. You haven't seen it yet? Well, obviously, it's your business, so you should definitely watch it. Um, the general idea for all these people, Google, Facebook, Instagram, is to encourage communication and to help the world. Mm -hmm. Because the more knowledge that's being spread, the more communication, the more openness, it's a better world. That's the whole globalist theory, is a global economy means increased world peace. There's no war if we're all connected, right? That's the general idea, I'm just saying. Okay. I'm not saying that's what ends up happening. 
Mm -hmm. because social dilemma is like we started with this great idea and great intention and now we've ended up dividing America more than ever right right? so and that's interesting because maybe I should watch it because that's actually Blue's whole philosophy right we've advanced technology for social good but as we advance technology it strives more towards automation but the thing is is that humans aren't robots and at the same time a lot of apps have been designed to make you come back to the app which has formed people to have a technological addiction to their mobile devices Mm -hmm. so because of that that's why blue we we do what we do is because our whole goal is to advance technology for social good keeping in mind that human interaction and connection on the in-person core itself is the thing that is needed for humanity to survive we can connect digitally all day but if we forget to take into consideration the impact on the human you know the societal culture as a whole you know like you said when we've developed apps to make you to become addicted to it it's divided you you've now relied on social media to connect through social media and socialize through social media but it's almost this double-edged sword Mm -hmm. where people aren't you know, connecting in person. People are now even lacking in-person social skills because they don't know how to interact with people in real life. For sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think that a lot of people now look at social media apps as a way to do the groundwork of a first, second, and third date. So then they get right to the sex and they meet. You know <laughs> what I mean? Which is, which is obviously a recipe for disaster. Uh, so back to the stereo app, um, it is an audio app, right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, with Chat Roulette, what happened historically and famously, what happened with Chat Roulette? And these guys are like, it's about openness and, sp- and awareness. You can meet people from everywhere in the world. That's a great idea, right? And, of course, you'd swipe, you'd smash, and then just dick out. Okay, swipe, dick out. Swipe, people fucking. Swipe. And it just became uh, fodder for pedophiles because there's no way to really vet the age of someone getting on it. So, young kids were getting on with adults. And I don't know how it exploded. Maybe there'll be a good documentary about it one day. But within a within three months of this great idea, and this guy was all over the talk show circuit. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal. Um, it just became they couldn't stop the perversion, mm-hmm. you know. And it's a shame that social media and the internet in general, like perverts, are going to find their lane in it. Mm-hmm. So uh, the reason I'm saying that is interesting about stereo is it is only audio, right? Mm-hmm. And you look at each you look at avatars of people. The avatars are always cute. So it's always like a fun little day because everyone's handsome on an avatar. Um, and one thing I've been finding, as, and I'm, I'm one of the content creators, so I'm one of the OGs on it. And as I get on, if I match with a guy, he'll swipe right past me, right? <laughs> Another guy, he'll swipe past me. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of people are young and they're trying to turn into a dating app or pickup app. But what I found is that when you're in the audio format as opposed to the digital format like Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, um, audio communication is so much more nuanced and such a different and better way to express ideas than digital communication because of everything, tone, intent, you just, everything Mm -hmm. comes, like I feel like Twitter, you can start a Twitter war so fucking, you can agree with someone, but do it in a tone that sets them off the wrong way and then they feel comfortable because they're behind their phone and they're in their house you're not around they can say fuck you you piece of shit Mm -hmm. and then you can just get dragged through the mud if you do the wrong thing and I've been dragged through Twitter in in awful ways which I don't even want to get into 
On stereo, you can talk to people who are diametrically opposed to you, politically, morally, spiritually, whatever, and it never devolves into a fight. Now, maybe that's just me because I'm a content creator and I don't want to lose my job. Mm -hmm. But I have talked to about, no lie, about a dozen black Trump supporters, just randomly on stereo, Mm -hmm. which I wouldn't even think there were 12 in the world. That's not true. But... It amazes me once you get outside the echo chamber of LA and New York, wherever these liberal places are, like how easy it is to talk to these Trump supporters, how similar they are to us, and how many of them are, you know? And I think that I'm, 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 just, I'm just worried about what's going to happen with the country, and I'm worried what social media is part in it. And as someone who's sort of at the forefront of what's happening with social media, that must be one of the obligations that you're looking at. Like, what do you do that can be different? Because obviously they all, they all start with good intentions, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of them, they either get perverted into sexual stuff or they become ways to, you have shareholders obviously in a company and then you got to make your shareholders happy by increasing profit. Yeah. And the way you do that is you keep people on your app more and you do it by promotions and ads. Well, that's how most people do it now. Yeah. So yeah. You're, so what is your incentive structure? What is your financial structure that you think will not l- let you fall into that trap? Yeah, so let me go back a little bit. So as a female co-founder of Blue and having networking mode as part of the app, um, pedophiles and stalking behavior, understanding that social phenomenon naturally, people will begin to behave in negative ways to use technology. One of my biggest concerns from the very beginning was how, what are steps we can take to disassemble the stalking behavior and tendencies that some people may have when going into the networking mode well, how, yeah, how do you, How do you find these people? How do you stop them? Yeah. yeah, and the biggest thing is really it's um, in the design of the app itself, I take into consideration how it impacts the human mind and chooses to influence the behavior of behavior of the users through the design of the app. Yeah. So, for example, people can choose to be in networking mode and not being in networking mode. At the same, at the same time, they can choose to give access to all of the platforms that they already have and allow p- anybody to open them or they can only allow people to gain full access once they've chosen to socially mutualize or mutual mutually socialize and so with that being said also a lot of our shareholders are users they're not investors we just did a whole crowdfunding and raised um, a little bit over a million and 70 from people just like you and me and you know the general public and we have over 4,000 individuals across the whole world that invested into us so the cool thing is is that our app is what we like to say for the people by the people a lot of what we do in our funding comes from the community so the community is you know they are our shareholders and our stakeholders so they're also your referees for how things go down obviously. yep so in the end we involve them a lot in a lot of our decision making so let me ask you this. Um, let's say, because I, I, I kind of want to encourage people who are listening to maybe get involved in it. So how would you, if you're, say, you live in Wichita, Kansas, and you just are interested in meeting people, right? Mm-hmm. And you hear about this, sounds cool. So what would be the steps you would take? You just go to the app store. Yep. You download, Is it a paid app? It's a free app. It's a free so app. So our whole goal is to build a more connected world. 
um, globally and connect people across um, from all over. So, so as it's a free app, then where's the money coming from? So ads on the app or? Uh, no, so we have a lot of B2B, so we're a software. So the app has the software inside the app itself that we yeah. have a proprietary patent on. Yeah. And so there's a lot of software B2B stuff that goes on in our company. For example, with the auto networking technology, um, it really helps businesses who have a lot of recruitment operations. At the same time, we have a whole business enterprise software side um, that goes beyond the app itself um, that's also integrated with smart products. Uh, we're very much a software company that is involved in the internet of things. So we are even so working with... So the software with development and selling that to bigger tech companies is what's funding this project. Yeah, and it's not bigger tech companies, it's just bigger businesses, right? So with schools right now, um, they're dealing with issues of you know, before it was attendance tracking. So we have also our software and then Blue Beacon Technology, which also use, utilizes smart technologies um, for them to be able to know when students are physically in the room and when they leave and to have proper documentation to help them get more funding from the state and have more solid attendance tracking. At the same time for recruitment, we've had a police department in Texas tested out for all their recruiters to be able to utilize a company branded blue smart card and then the company itself can control the information and what access each individual recruiter or employee has. So there's all kinds of levels to it. At the same time, there's a benefit for event organizers. So we have a lot of event organizers or major events like Cloud Expo, which are global conferences, or you know, in a week from now, we'll be at the Hong Kong Logistics Conference. Um, they are actually looking at the technology, testing it out. There's about 15 delegates that will be showing up to also receive our smart um, product that we have and also see how it can work and be integrated into access key cards for companies on a B2B side. So there's a lot of momentum. I think when you're first starting out with any company, sure. you want to pitch it um, if you are looking for funding. Um, at the same time, having your brand identity and a line is one thing and then the financial or business model is another. Um, the biggest thing is taking into to consideration if it's B2C, so business to consumer, or if it's business to business. And yeah. a lot of people think that Blue Social is just an app, but the, it's actually our software. And the app is just something we created so consumers can have access to the technology and utilize it in a way to help them build their connections in their communities to help the world strengthen their communities You know, with people interacting more in person yeah. and with COVID happening everybody experienced more loneliness and that's what we've brought awareness to even before quarantine happened which was the loneliness push of you know right now with social media we can have 50,000 followers and we can still be at home and feel lonely and feel so disconnected and that was the highlights that we wanted to bring to the world was that look we've connected on all these platforms but we're still not connecting in real life and there's something we need to do about it. And all companies that are advancing technology should always consider and be cautious of their impact on the human psychological side and even social culture side yeah. and how it impacts the world. Yeah, I, I, that's really fascinating because watching this documentary, Social Dilemma, like I said, 
the people that were interviewed were all basically whistleblowers from all the big tech companies. And they all seemed, basically every interview started with like, <sighs> okay, um, they felt like they were going in trouble. They, you, there was regret. There was a little bit of whimsicalness about it. Um, but the idea from all these people is that we had an idea to do something. And ultimately with any business, any structure, and this, this goes, starts with Facebook and goes down the line to Bumble or Tinder. Um, it becomes about how do you monetize? Like recently I had a conversation, a friend of mine is trying to uh, produce a big event with YouTube and she wants to do a live show with people, social distance masks, with different performers, like a variety show, and then um, film it. And that f the film broadcast quality film would be put on YouTube and you could buy it for $1.99. And one of the YouTube content creators, a really big one was like, YouTube doesn't, you know, YouTube just wants to share these videos. We're not trying to monetize. But that's ultimately like, he's a young kid. It's bullshit. Like, yes, of course, YouTube wants to monetize. They, get, they got out of, you know, the TV show business because they just weren't competing with Netflix in a way that was monetary, monetarily sound for them. But they were still, if you want to watch old SNL episodes, it cost $1.99 per episode back mm -hmm. in the day or old Colbert or whatever. So it's all about monetization at the end, ultimately. So is it, is it the goal ultimately even something like bumble right like bumble oh it's just free we want love we want to spread love and ultimately like make us the money bitch right so mm -hmm. then okay if you do bumble gold then you just pay this you want to do tinder gold tinder fire whatever the fuck it is yeah they have all these different ways to spend money and same thing with like the video games everyone's on like oh it's a free video game and well if you don't if you don't want to look at these ads just pay 2.99 if you want extra coins and they have these different ways that sort of get your dopamine levels going that you feel like you're getting rewarded by spending money to get all these coins and flashing lights. So for you, and I understand the altruism, what you want to do, but if you're already making money with the B2B, then why even have the social media aspect if it's not being monetized? Because our whole goal wasn't to just build a company to make money. Our whole goal was to actually build something that would positively impact the world. Get the fuck out of here. And literally. <laughs> um, so, you really, know, so you don't have any plan to monetize the B2C? On the B2C side, I mean, to a certain level, right, people use social media and turn it into a business, but that's up to them how they want to use it. There's options that we're coming out with, you know, app features that give a little bit more than what everybody wants. But in the end, we want people to connect more. We want to provide a solution to what's happening right now with the human disconnect and what I've seen on a psychological level happen in society looking at it from a sociological side to a psychological side i mean it's cool hearing about the social dilemma netflix movie that everyone's telling me about um which i'll have to watch it but you know the whole reason why i created you know the branding of blue and really pushing for the type of decisions that we make you know we're not pushing for in-app advertisement but when apps first started coming out the way that everybody said okay well this is how you monetize an app you do advertisement and then you do in-app features or you charge for the app but there's different ways and different philosophies um you know that people use to approach business yeah 
And for us, it was very just about the social aspect. You know, my brother didn't even want to do B2B. That's part of the investor side, right? But that's not going to stop us from doing what we initially existed to do, which is really provide a tool for people and a solution, especially now that people can't, you know, essentially we can't encourage people to go up so close to each other and we're not going to yell all our social handles now for sure from six feet away yeah so we really need this contactless networking way of seeing things differently yeah um and on a business side you know we you know investors of course are always going to want software companies to be b2b of course um but you know we We'll always have our app for free because our biggest thing is to provide it to everybody to help empower all communities. And what do you think? Is there a sort of end goal with this other than world peace? Is yeah. There- <laughs> um, yeah. So really, our vision is to build a decentralized platform. So we saw how all the social media companies, you know, back in 2016 were using data. I don't believe that data, the way that it's being used today, is necessarily ethical. I don't think that it's right. I think that if you, you know, essentially people, you are the data. You know, yeah. you are the data they that got that, monetized. And they say that in, in well, in, in social media, they say you are the product. Yeah, in, in my sense, it's like you are the data. So with Blue, our whole goal is to change the way in which people even view the world today. So we are choosing to develop this decentralized, smart IoT network. Basically, IoT network? Internet Remember, of I'm Things. I'm dumb, okay. So basically, that means that on our network eventually as a user on the network you can choose what companies you want to receive advertisements from but what that means is is that you're choosing yourself to share your data with whatever companies and are also getting compensated because you're the one that's giving away your data and you you know say you like Starbucks right you can say you have all these brands that you like so you want to receive advertisement but you're choosing to instead now it's not a preference of what you're seeing and Blue's still using all your data in the background. At that point, that's you deciding to choose what brands and what companies get access to you as a person who has the data, who is the data. And then in the end, you're also getting whatever discount or whatever coupon or whatever advertisement it was that they wanted to But you to have to make to an you. active choice to... But you make an active choice because it's you so, choosing to so share your explain data. Explain to people who... I mean, you already know the sort of what's going on with Social Dilemma because a lot of people don't know directed consumer advertising in a way that's happening in social media. Basically, my understanding, and I'm not an internet guy, I'm new to this shit, but my understanding is that... Um, Every time you sign into one of these big tech companies, Instagram or Facebook, I guess Instagram is not owned by Facebook. Yeah. You're basically giving them all of your data, right? And once they get all of your data, they have the ads become targeted to you based on your data. And it can get to the point where if we're here talking and I go, God, my neck hurts. I'm sleeping on a bad pillow. Just on my phone right now, Mm -hmm. right? I'll get an ad for a pillow on Instagram. Hopefully not my pillow because those are fucking garbage. It's, it's like a laundry <laughs> bag that you're sleeping on. Um, but 
and that it used to just be i remember when before i knew what was really going on i was like what a coincidence i was just talking about how i want an electric bike and now there's one being advertised on my instagram how did they book it and now you realize like that's because big brother's watching you and everyone knows your fucking data everyone knows what you're saying your phone is picking it up even when you're not on the app and all these big tech companies have become a data aggregation system so you are the product that is being push to and the more they can keep you on the app the more they can push these product the more you're going to consume and it's very effective now i'm part of the problem because i love that i love the fact that i talk about shit and they'll get an ad because i'm like, awesome i'll buy it and that's i mean if you look around my house and my apartment everything is basically like they heard me i was like i'm cold out here boom that shows up you know the heater uh these bugs boom so i don't mind it because i just feel like it's it's such a big it's not personal I don't feel like I'm being personally attacked or my personal liberties are being affronted because it's just what the algorithm does, what the AI is doing. And I'm like, that's fine. You want to read my mind? You want to know my shit? I don't have any skeletons. I'm not looking up <laughs> dirty porn. So I'm okay with it. So a lot of people obviously aren't. And a lot of people, even if they are okay with it, they still become technologically addicted, like you said. And that's a real problem. Mm-hmm. And the problem that Social Dilemma presents is when you become a data aggregator, aggregation sort of checkpoint then you are ensconced in a political agenda and a social agenda that is very narrow and everything's going to be funneled through that narrow agenda so in other words if i am a hardcore bernie supporter all of my products all my information is going to be bernie related so even if there is a fact from a republican or a fact about another opinion Mm -hmm. you're just not even going to hear it Mm-hmm. I mean, particularly now what's going on with everything, BLM and everything else, like if you do not want to hear another opinion, if you want to, let me put it this way, if you want to hear another opinion, you have to actively seek out information mm-hmm. outside of the echo chamber that you bring on your phone because your phone is going to cater to what you tell them you are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So to that end, with your technology, how do you address the politics of America and the division of America? Is there... Is it just like people, like you said, people choose what products they want or do you have a, a political kind of bent with your product? Yeah, so um, let's go back to the data scenario, right? Yeah. So let's say, you know, you get on, you know, you're on Facebook or you're on, let's just say company X and they have your data. What companies are doing, a lot of companies do right now is they have your data, they sell it and make millions. When Who you they sell it to? different companies so they can advertise but like it's target not and, and yeah, yeah any and when you decide to choose a preference of what advertisement that's not saying that oh well they're not going to sell your data that there's not an immediate exchange or transaction at that point i guess so with us and that whole idea of building a decentralized platform the difference is is that we have your data but your data isn't being sold you choose to technically sell your data and when you decide to receive an advertisement that is when your data is being sold and that's being granted by you versus companies you get paid for that you get compensated how much do you get paid for that 
Um, so right now we're still kind of working on what yeah, would be fair. Yeah, that seems tricky, yeah. Um, but that's definitely talking about like the vision, right? And then when you're talking about the types of advertisement, when you say Doritos a billion times and then you have a Doritos ad, that's actually a specific type of advertisement where they're actively listening. It's a tactic is in that advertisement. Illegal? It is. Um, but when I found about it, found out about it as a marketer, I didn't think it was and right. you're not a coder right so you're no, not I'm involved not. in the like real deep infrastructure of that element no no but it's definitely it's a tactic that is utilized and it is okay and every company uses it but um, they're technically not allowed to they are oh they are allowed to yeah so i'm sure you were part of the whole facebook congressional hearings did you mm -hmm. pay attention to that yeah did you feel that zuckerberg was and is playing fast and loose with the rules in terms of I'm just a guy trying to like help people out and have people connected and meanwhile he's like really in the root just trying to make the most money possible in the most nefarious underhanded way possible and that's what he did you you agree with that assessment um so I guess I would say I don't know him personally right and I don't follow everything that he does um I, but what I can say is that I don't agree with the some decisions that Facebook has made um, to maneuver or you know push certain political agendas right yeah. and when it comes to the algorithm of what people are being shown at a certain point you know it does make sense from a product side right that you want to see what you want to see yes but if it's a political agenda it doesn't it's not right for it to be the same algorithm where then you're only seeing your side right you're not going to be exposed to the other side and that's because on an algorithm ai level they don't truly they don't think that you want to see things that are opposite of what you would want to see from a preference point of view right yeah um Instagram isn't necessarily a full educational scholarly platform. It's more of just a place to get information. It's still up to each person in society and every citizen to take the responsibility to choose to listen and digest information and make their own, you know, critical thought conclusions of what they've heard and seen and doing even their own research before they come up and decide they're going to believe in this or that or mm. choosing a stance on something. That's giving people a lot of credit. Obviously, you know, one of the things that this uh, movie presents, which is really, it's a very, you should, you should watch it for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. It's also weird because it is a talking head documentary where they interview all these sort of whistleblowers from these companies and they kind of weave in this narrative of some high school kid who's just like, he likes a girl and then she's with a dude and this, the social media I don't know if you ever saw Inside Out by Pixar where they have yeah. the, so they kind of have that they have like these different people representing the algorithm mm -hmm. that's competing for this guy's attention like he's trying to talk to this girl like oh he's off the phone let's get her on like ding let's give him some notification so he's on the phone um, and the weird morality tale that they present in this movie is that this guy ultimately becomes radicalized and they don't say that he becomes radicalized as a white nationalist or a hardcore Antifa member, but it's something, right? Mm -hmm. That he gets radicalized as something, a guy who goes to a protest 
And as he goes to the protest, he gets arrested. I mean, really, that's all that happens. He goes to a press <laughs> and he's like on the ground looking at his sister and he's like, what? how low have we sunk that here we are getting arrested because they literally just showed up at a park with people at signs. So it's a very anodyne way of sort of presenting how someone gets radicalized by their phone because their phone just brings them in. Do you think that is a real, do you think that's a real issue? Do you think that a lot of these people would be, because look, I'm not, I am definitely not a Republican, um, but I also think it's very disingenuous to say that there isn't a far left radical, radicalization process that happens as well. Uh, a, the producer of the podcast, his friend from high school, became radicalized as a white nationalist, which mm-hmm. right away you're like, whoa, motherfucker, like what's going on? Show me on the doll where you were hurt. Um, and everyone sort of universally condemns that. But when people get radicalized as an Antifa member or a hardcore BLM member, there's no social media or media couple in general that will sort of condemn that, which strikes me as a little bit odd. Like far left radicalization is considered, um, it's celebrated and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And far right is universally condemned, which I agree with that, but I'm surprised that Antifa is condemned, that some of the hardcore BLM activists, some shit they're saying isn't condemned. And I don't know what that means and sort of how it relates to social media. Yeah, I think that you're, what you're pointing out is the result of how social media can influence subconsciously the human by, uh, mind and even impact our social behavior, right? If someone starts off being interested in what the Black Lives Matter movement stands for, for example, and then becomes exposed to a lot of different things that are happening, you know, that end up becoming almost traumatic experiences that somebody is seeing online, it, it hits a trauma point for them. Sure. And that's where um, you know algorithms can have an indirect impact and there's things that we don't account oh. for oh sorry I have a I gotta take this real quick hello sir <laughs> yeah just there, 1510 just park in the parking lot yeah yeah park in the parking lot any, any space in the back of the parking lot 1510 alright thank you that's Modern Family's Danny Zucker, who's the next guest on the podcast. Um, so we're going to wrap this up. You've been great. Um, is there anything that you kind of want to leave? I, I want people to get on this app, first of all. Mm-hmm. This is on the App Store, right? And I do believe you. I think it's, I think it's, I love the fact that you have this really sort of noble intention. And what we were just talking about, I'm sorry I interrupted the phone. That's very unprofessional of me. But, um, we're talking about being radicalized in a way where you, where you are staying on your phone. I don't think people really get radicalized when you're person to person. What I was saying with the stereo app, like I think the more you're exposed to ideas and to people, people are very nuanced and very multidimensional. So it's hard to sort of get pigeonholed into any one thing when that's your ex- exposure. Mm-hmm. Because you're exposed to, you know, everything. I mean, I always talk about the fact I went to mostly black schools, you know? Yeah. And I have a Republican dad. And my brother's a cop. And my mom's name is Karen. <laughs> That's a honky hat trick. So yeah. I have, I have a, and I'm a comic, which is a notoriously liberal field yeah. in Hollywood, isn't it? So it's me made me have to like jump around to sort of try to get everything that's going on. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, so what do you want to leave people with? What, what would you say is, um, 
the best path for people just go and go into the app store get your app and just spread the word yeah you could download the blue social app in the app store android and ios um and definitely just spread the word and you can follow us on our instagram blue underscore social um, I do want to leave some tips for yeah. just going back to the entrepreneurship yeah. side, right? A lot of people looking to find ways to make money nowadays. Oh, and course. it's hard, right? You can't just pop up a shop and have a brick and mortar and expect to make money that way. Yes. And so um, one of the things is that regardless of what kind of idea that you have, write it down, start off with a business plan. Decide if it's a company that you can run on your own or if it's a company that you need investments for and bigger funding or if it's a company that um, you know you want it to be large you know because however big your company or idea is there's levels to it you can stay small mom and pop or you can scale and become global which will determine how you move forward if you do look for funding uh, participating in different pitch competitions is one way to get exposure you'll always start with your angel investors first um, in the very beginning and your angel investors will want to see that you were able to convince your family and friends because if you can't convince your family and friends and the people around you, you the rest of the world yeah. right and why would they want to yeah. um, in the end having like you said a solid plan of how you plan to make money at the end of the day is the biggest thing and um, how you go to market and your strategy is also number one. People don't care about what a product does more so than what a company stands for now. So it's really important to have your branding in line and really understand your whys. And your why can't be because you want to make money. Of course. So um, even if it secretly really is. Right. But, right. Yeah. There's also you know a story behind it, and you want to do so do good uh do something good for the world to have something full you know philanthropic that yeah. you can give back because that's w the kind of companies that people want to support yeah uh okay i'm gonna take this <laughs> i'll edit those out maybe not hey Dana, have you parked I think they're here. okay there do you see a big a bunch of canopies a bunch of red and green canopies 1510 north laurel Fifteen ten. It should be okay. I'm I'm gonna come out. I'm just wrapping this up. I'll come out in one minute. Make sure I can find you. Okay, thanks. Um, so unprofessional. Chris it's okay. That I um, yeah, he's coming at five thirty. So, it, we, um, but that's great. I, I I'm gonna get on this thing, and I'm not gonna use it as a dating app for sure. But I, I want to have you back on. I want to talk more about this. This is really fascinating, and see what's going on with social media, because I have not a lot of people on your end in this podcast and I think it's very fascinating and watch The Social Dilemma and let's talk about it yeah alright thank you so much and they can follow you where again they can follow Blue at Blue underscore social and then my handle is C C Montero 13 great thanks